This is the Comedy Kiosk, podcast by Monday and Munoz. Please welcome Monday and Munoz. Welcome to the Comedy Kiosk, a podcast in which we discuss news, opinions and ideas about comedy. I'm David Munoz and this is Eagle Monday and today we have a special guest, Oleg Denisov. And we're going to be discussing Igor and Oleg's adventures to Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Hey guys, how's it going? Hello, hello. Igor Monday here. Hey, yeah. Nice to see you both. I've been hanging out with Oleg for 15 days in a row, so a bit less excited to see him again. But nice to see you, David. Hi. So, Oleg, say hi to the audience members yourself. Uh, hi. Uh, yeah, excited to be on the podcast. Oh, so he sounds it. Now, let's start with uh, Igor. I just want to get your first impressions, because this was your first Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Right, so it was the first one that I managed to attend. And uh, after years and years of hearing about this festival and knowing people who went there, some for like full runs, some to visit, some to do some spots and to just hang around and, and watch some shows, etc., I did have pretty high expectations, I can say, you know, like right. in terms of what's going on and how it all looks and, and uh, what is it supposed to be, what you are supposed to get out of it. Uh-huh. And uh, I can say that the real experience was quite different. I don't know, is it maybe this year in particular? And I can talk about this a bit more uh, later on because he's been like four times already, if I'm not mistaken. But since I had nothing to compare it with, except, you know, like secondhand stories and experience of other people, it was a little bit, on one hand, overwhelming. Like you can't imagine how it really is until you get there. Like the constant kind of exposure to to shows, to, to flyers, to like schedules of venues, to people, you know, like going through to, from shows, like audience changing every hour, every wow. room, like running kind of on the, like it's a bit overwhelming the whole thing. And mm-hmm. on the other hand, it's a bit underwhelming because maybe it was this year in particular, but I expected, you know, like I'll get there, I'll meet like a million people. I, I'll do like a hundred spots across the city i'll be running from like venue to venue performing doing like shows of people i know doing this show that we have organized and put on you know like i'll just kind of i I will leave my like uh, hostel at i don't know 10 in the morning and come back at midnight and been performing and watching shows like the whole time in between when in reality i would kind of leave my hostel at two (laughs) and come back at like 9 10 in the evening if we aren't staying for some drinks uh, just to mm. kind of hang out because i haven't seen oleg in like six months so yeah. yeah on one hand the whole festival thing is a bit more than i expected like and it wasn't even like the busiest one in terms of the number of shows that were on and number of people that attended but it's right. still like you know when the whole city is a festival and when you yeah. go to like one yard one beer garden or something and there is like 20 different venues, rooms for shows and constantly something is starting, something is ending, some someone is flying, someone is, you know, it's just, ah. Uh, and then on the other hand, from some personal point of view, a bit disappointing as I don't think that I kind of got what I thought I would be getting in terms of kind of like stage time and, you know, constant engagement in something on the festival, like it right. be it like watching the shows, or doing some shows and spots, etc. So it's that. So it's kind of like a controlled chaos or something like that. 
Like the whole yeah, thing except, is very chaotic. It's not controlled. Oh, it's not controlled. It's just <laughs> chaos. Just chaos. Well, it's just it, it is kind of controlled, you know, but uh, it's controlled in some places where people control it. Like for example, our room, we were running a show at like six forty-five at the place called uh, the City Cafe that has three. It's a karaoke place uh, usually, yeah. so it's like three karaoke rooms downstairs in the basement. It's like a American style diner on the ground mm -hmm. floor, and then they have three karaoke rooms in the basement. And starting from I think ten thirty up until midnight, there are shows there every hour. But all the shows were kind of running on time. People would like finish on time, clean the room. They were very nice to each other, mostly you know yeah. like uh, respecting each other, etc. So I think it was very controlled. But in some other venues. On some shows that I went to just watch as a, as an audience member, as a spectator, it wasn't like this. Like one show would overstay in the room for like five, ten minutes, then the other one was pushed back. Then they had to rush. The people would kind of yeah. people leaving and people entering would like kind of elbow each other and push each other in a very narrow hallway. Then no one is yeah. checking tickets. Then someone is yelling, "Who had a ticket? I don't know. We already let the people." Like I don't know. It very much depends on how you run it is it right. like chaos or is it controlled or is it controlled chaos right right and and has the camaraderie amongst the comedians for you how did you find it or was there any camaraderie or was it basically it's like you're out for your own everyone's fighting over the same bone and they'd be willing to like stab their mother in the back in order to like get an extra five minutes or a show or something well i think in general people are very nice to you but you know there is two kinds of people that i can say i've kind of i don't know detected and one is they're nice to you because they're nice because they're also comedians they're also there for the same reason they understand the kind of blood sweat and tears that goes into this whole process of applying traveling preparing the show doing the shows etc and they're genuine kind of you know we're all in this together you know so it's like real camaraderie and then on the other hand there are people who are nice to you but just that's just to be nice and they actually don't care about you consider mm. you like competition or just ah who the fuck is this if i don't know you i don't like you you know like i don't care for you yeah. and i would never give you any spots and i would never like chit chat to you just for the sake of it or whatever you know like i don't know you you're not from my circuit or my circle of friends or whatever you know i'll be nice to you and polite to you just to be polite so i'm not like that dick but right. you know it's still but kind they of are a fake dick. and yeah yeah deep so down they're a dick deep down they're a dick and some yeah. sometimes on the very surface yeah. but that's that's how i would you know let's say divide them into two categories i don't know oleg maybe has a different kind of idea or or understanding of <laughs> was there more kind of camaraderie or was there more competition yeah so oleg your opinion um i think like again like if if, if i compare it for example to the, the previous festivals i kind of noticed a little bit more kind of atomization of people this year mm -hmm. a little bit even though i would ex like you would expect them to be actually kind of to have a more of a sense of community just because they missed it a little bit you yeah know, the, 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 the lockdown but at the same time everybody got a little bit more atomized and i i, I see a lot of people kind of it's it, it looks like this year like people even more than usual more seriously cared about stuff like you know if they got a bad review or a good review mm. and you know just kind of just genuine if there is a, a critic in in the show or you know uh, i i think that everybody is kind of 
Mm, I, I don't know what goes into it. Maybe it's also kind of they realize how, you know, th- that this is not a given. So maybe they kind of treat it more seriously career wise than before. Mm. And they w- before it was treated more like a big party a little bit. And you would kind of kind of hang out with people more generally. Uh-huh. Um, this year, I, I noticed a little bit of like, uh, like a change in, 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 in that side. And also uh, like, a, like different types of people that Igor was talking about. Because yeah, there are definitely, there's people who are like genuinely nice. And I actually find a lot of those people, for example, in the free festival, because when we were, we were at the, at the free festival and uh, in general, yeah, there's a lot of people who are like really nice and like really helpful. And uh, yeah, there are people who are nice just, just because they're polite, like they have to be polite. And then there are people who are like extremely annoying, like regardless of what they're trying to do. And we had quite... <laughs> and, and by people, you mean a person. Okay, hang well, on. Well, I mean, a, f- a few people, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I will not name this person because... Damn it! No actual reason for it, but I will describe this person uh-huh. and uh, describe the context in which I understood that this person is not a good kind of comrade or colleague or whatever, you know, like... Uh, so basically, in a room next to ours, there was a show starting about 30 minutes after us, I think, mm-hmm. approximately. So, so you overlapped. Always, yeah, kind of. I mean, yeah. uh, uh, how it worked is like we would start our show mm-hmm. and near the beginning of our show, her show would be kind of gathering audience. And then while mm. our, our, our show would start, one of us, because we always changed, one of us hosted the show and one of us was in the lineup. Right. So the one that was outside just waiting for the show would kind of see her in the hallway and kind of getting ready for her show. And then usually when we are outside flyering or waiting for the show, she would already come to prepare for the for her show and the venue. So we would kind of be in this common area, same common area a lot at the same time. And basically right. it's the kind of person that, you know, when people start coming, would really kind of smile and be nice. And yes, please, welcome, welcome, welcome. And then person enters the room and she's like, Oh my God, these fucking fuckers, I hate them. This one looks so retarded, probably won't laugh at any jokes. And this kind of shit, like super nice yeah. to audience, to their face. Yeah. And then like shitting on them behind their back or like saying, oh my God, I wish these idiots will leave a good bucket because I can't stand to do these jokes for them for nothing. And this kind of stuff. So mm. when the show finishes, like, oh my God, they were horrible audience, but they left a really good bucket. And that's the only thing I'm here for. Like really not kind of, respecting the art the craft whatever it is the performance but just there for the bucket apparently i don't know if it's some kind of weird sense of humor i don't know but that was always and then once i was kind of actually waiting on the terrace of this bar cafe uh for the show and i was going through some jokes or whatever and she shows up and she's like uh hey how are you and i'm like oh i'm fine just preparing for the show and she's like uh how has your bucket been recently because mine is pretty bad and i don't know like i'm not really earning the money i expected to earn and i was like well neither am i but you know this is kind of like a hobby for me i have a real kind of day job actually so i'm here on vacation and i'm just you know i'm here to perform and she was like i'm sorry i'm not writing your autobiography i'm like bitch you asked you know like what what yeah. the, like what is this attitude you know like right. i've met i don't know like 50 100 comics in 15 days and every time you meet a comic on fringe you ask like how's your show going you know yeah. like it's kind of a common thing just to just out of interest out of curiosity out of politeness yeah. whatever it is but and how's your show going it's not like 
oh, uh, I don't need to hear your life story, man. Fuck off. And I was like, uh, okay, whatever. And I stood up and left like, you know, what is this mm. behavior? So just like a toxic kind of horrible person in, in right. my opinion. Okay. A couple of questions about this person there. One, do you know how long they've been performing for? Are they seasoned? Are they short term? Like recent? I don't know anything. Anything about her except that. uh, I what what does this matter? Curiosity, young or older? older. I think a bit older. A bit older, Mm -hmm. I guess. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, what's her credits? What's her experience? Who? Maybe she's super Mm -hmm. famous. uh, Like back in her like country on her market or whatever and this mm-hmm. is all beyond her to perform for 20 people and i don't know 50 70 100 pounds buckets i don't know but then if it is why the fuck are you there go yeah. do the stadiums if you're so famous don't disrespect yeah. the audience that's coming there wasting their own free time paying whatever they can like five ten pounds one pound yeah. nothing it's free fringe anyways you yeah. know and then also like talking trash behind their backs and they're also kind of being a dick to other comedians. Yeah. So you're like shitting on the on your profession or whatever it is, shitting mm. on your audience and shitting on your colleagues. Like, right. come on. And and did you did either of you catch her show? No, of course not. No, I mean, it was at the same time. Like, yeah. yeah, I'm just wondering if there was like yeah. any opportunity at all because maybe she was like really good or not or something like that. But anyway, well, Oleg, your opinion? Yeah, I mean, uh, and it's just the. This 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 particular situation is. Uh, well, I, I'll tell the. I, I'm not going to name drop, but I'm going to. What is it like? I, if it's any better, race drop. Okay. <laughs> but it's kind of just. Uh, I don't even know what the hell that is. How do you race drop? Well, I don't I just, even understand that. Race drop is just. Just I want to tell this the story that because I what I was dealing with when I was because um, uh, I was kind of mostly kind of managing the show like regarding if I was hosting or not. But you know I would stand outside of the room when our show was mm-hmm. uh, was uh, going on. And uh, I was in the corridor where all the other entrances to the other rooms are. Right. And so, like, for example, if some people are late, I would lead them in and, you know, and whatever. Yeah. And just uh, kind of answer questions to people going to other shows, just, you know, just because that's how it works. Um, and then her audience started coming, usually would start coming to, 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 to her room. Right. And uh, because she was uh, uh, Asian, uh-huh. right? And like literally like 80% of the sh- people coming to, to her show were Asian people. Right. And I was standing there with, the, with other comedians. And like, if there is like a couple like, like Asian Asian person coming into the corridor, like you know, because pe- people there are visibly looking for shows because it's a confusing place. Right. And they just kind of went like you know, just pointed in the direction of the room, just straight ahead, like it's that that one. Ah, <laughs> <Yeah>. right. <laughs> and all the and all the other comedians are like, is this racial profiling? Well, that's like, a good yes, point. But it works. Oh, 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 oh. that's <laughs> the U- Eastern <laughs> European <laughs> answer right there. Yeah, but it I works. So wrong. stuff it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I help the people without you know. Fair enough. Fair spending enough. a lot of time doing it. Okay. Okay. I mean, it was also kind of obvious because you know the shows were a bit like staggered between the start time of each show, so people yeah. wouldn't kind of make a chaos and and mm. like a you know like a mess in that in that narrow hallway right. so hers was the only show that was starting at that particular time so if people yeah. are coming like 20 30 minutes after our show has started that obviously means they're not here for us and then there was another show that was starting 15 minutes after her so it would be too yeah. early to come for that one right. so yeah but also i mean it's just the show was about like being Chinese, that was that's what the show was, and right. it obviously attracted this kind of audience. And you know, right. if I did a show about I don't know being whatever Slavic or something, it would 
potentially attract a lot of Slavic people. It's there's nothing no, like wrong with that. Because I mean, I was doing four shows about being Russian, and like only very few Russian people turn up to that. Because like the only real, uh, the only real reason Russians ever go abroad is to see less of other Russians. So <laughs> it, it, it makes complete sense. And with Asians, it's the other way around. <laughs> what did did you did you ever were you ever tempted? When these people came for her show, or you assume her show, to just go, yes, come to this one and just point them towards your door and just let them walk in oh. 20 minutes late and say, stuff it. Because they, mean, they're general, probably going to be too polite to want to walk out. <laughs> mm, okay. Interesting tactic. All right. I'm just saying. <laughs> Well, I mean, this is arguably worse than they were. This, there, this there actually, there was, there was one person, there was a girl that came to our show, sat through the whole show, laughed, enjoyed, and then when leaving the room, asked me, was this uh, the Chinese show? And I'm like, do you think this was the Chinese show? <laughs> a Croatian <laughs> and a Russian guy. And, and, yeah, and there was like, white guys. no, and there was, like, there was I yes, think, a yes, French girl. Yeah, there was a French girl and an American oh, guy or better. something, and you know, like, and I'm like, do you think it was? Because it wasn't. And she, <laughs> she was, was like, but like I have a, I have a ticket for that one, and I'm like, well, you went into the wrong room. What can I tell you? <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Okay, so now, uh, just to get a couple of things out, so I'm going to ask you some questions that you can maybe explain. So, Eagle, what is a flyer for our listener out there and listeners? What is a flyer? Who, when you keep saying we're a flyer ring. What is a flyer? What is flyering? What the whole, what is that? For someone who has no idea what you're talking about. I mean, I'm pretty sure there is anyone, there is no one listening to this podcast. I sure hope so, who doesn't know what a flyer is. I know that you're, you're, you're an English teacher and you like to dissect the word like, and now children, tell me what's a flyer, but I'm pretty sure people know what a flyer is. But anyways, just to describe the context of, of Eddie Bryan, then Oleg mm-hmm. can actually talk about it more because he's been there way more times than, than, than I have. But Oh, he's getting the free fringe question. Okay, okay. So basically, like, you know, each show has a flyer. It's uh-huh. either the comedian themselves or they're paying some student or some other performer or someone to stand on the street and mm-hmm. hand out flyers for the show. That right. It's kind of like a tiny version of the poster with just name of the show, picture, and location, etc. And mm-hmm. they would just kind of hand you this flyer and be like, do you... And they had really, really sometimes very generic and sometimes very good and interesting kind of pitches when yeah. giving you this flyer. Sometimes they would be like, oh, there's a show starting in 20 minutes or an experienced comedian doing a show in 20 minutes, really good show in 20 minutes, something like this, something generic. Sometimes they would be a bit more more creative so they would say something like you can charge your phone at the show or you can take a lap in the back or something like this the show has air conditioning (laughs) oh that's yeah it has air conditioning there is no rain inside you can take Uh, a nap in in the back ah, so for the late shows because they some show like the shows run up until 1 a.m basically Uh so for the shows past like 9 10 p.m they would be like you can take a nap in the back or <laughs> it's much warmer inside, or you yeah. can charge your phone, uh, stuff like this. So right. one guy in our venue would be like, I'm not shit. I promised I'm not shit. Or what, what was his kind of, I'm way less racist than I sound or something like this. <laughs> than my, than, than That's my, good. My, That's good. Yeah. because So you got to get inventive. He, yeah, I mean, there is literally, if you walk down the, the Royal Mile, which is mm-hmm. one of the streets, or like if you walk down one of the streets where there are many venues and uh, shows, you mm-hmm. be flyered, I don't know, like 20 times in a row, 50 times yeah, in a row. Yeah. I don't know. So, and then th- one of them had like two guys yeah. and first one would hand you the flyer and, and they, he would be like, 
this flyer costs one pound. And then the next one hands you the same flyer and goes, this one is for free. Expecting you to take the second one because it's for free. Right. And this kind of, you know, like games. But uh, yeah, basically people would stand on the street or in the venue uh, or walk around and try to constantly give you the flyer and kind of let you know that there is this show and remind you to go right. inside if you want to see this show. And okay. uh, it actually, like, I didn't expect it to work because it's just, you know, I would walk around and pick up 20 of those 20 of those flyers and then just throw them away at the end of the day. But Prick. that's how we got most of the audience, I guess. So it does work. Okay, so then the question is, did you guys hire flyers? Did you have like someone working for you? Because I hear that's a thing. Or did you do it yourselves? Well, basically, I'll take this one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because, well, that's what I said to yeah, the flyer. I've been, I've been, <laughs> yeah i've been <laughs> i've been because I've, I've been uh, doing this for like for my fourth year i actually quite enjoy flying i mean to an extent obviously uh -huh. i don't like really enjoy it but like um it's in it, like it's enjoyable when it works you yeah know, because like i worked 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 out some strategies and for example i see like when i go don't go down the street and see like flyers i see definitely people who are like hired it's usually like 15 like this year it's usually 15 quid a, an hour Ooh. and usually it's like an hour before the show like this yeah. is like the best time to fly and like you yeah. start an hour before the show like uh, uh people tried something else people tried flying like earlier people tried flying, you know like next day morning or something like this yeah. like nothing none of this works really like this is the only period that works right. and kind of um you know like there there are flyers who do it really well and do it really badly they regardless of you know whether or not they're paid at all first of, first important uh, stuff to know is of course that you know you as a comedian if you're kind of putting any effort into it if you're it's your show then you're the best flyer because like yeah. you, if if you're kind of saying yeah it's my it's me on the poster yeah. you know, like people would kind of get interested with me speaking to you yeah personal kind of touch and just kind of, yeah, 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 yeah. And also, of course, you know, it's it's very kind of important that a good flyer, like, is not the one who gives out a lot of flyers. Usually a good flyer is the one which gives out a lot less flyers because he, they know which person, like, is uh, not here for shows, you know, if yeah. they're walking fast, if they're kind of clearly like a performer or wor works at the fringe or something like this. There's a lot of those people. And in general, even people who are like, oh, I, I see that these people are walking to the show, but they're walking to a specific show mm -hmm. and they're not going to take my flyer. They're going to gonna take my flyer and they're going to work. So right. I kind of I quite enjoy this kind of game. And, you know, and I also make like a little kind of, I mean, always to make a little joke out of it. Like when I do the... The, the the showcase when I hosted the showcase and I sat mm -hmm. like as a host and I just go like oh give me a, a like a, a round of applause if if I like personally gave you the flyer and then like I mean out of the whole room it it's usually like not so many people uh -huh. and it's just like some some people clap and I just go well an hour of life well spent <laughs> you know some, something like this yeah. kind of, hey and it personalizes uh, and it the, yeah because they're like yeah yeah, yeah, yeah you're the one that gave it to me yeah yeah. Yeah, and it's completely fine. At the fringe, it's completely fine. I've seen people who are like really, really famous who've been on TV many times. They kind of before the show, like I mean, there's nothing to do for them. In the, yeah. the, the last like you know, twenty, fifteen minutes, they just give out the flyers, you know, and you know, this is a, this is work. This okay. works, and you know, it's there's no shame in it. And mm -hmm. you know, I, I know people who really don't enjoy doing it. For example, I had a performer in my venue, and I was doing my solo show. Um, and uh, like she was all, like all right and kind of like always friendly and normal, but like. It kind of didn't clearly didn't understand what fringe actually involves because like right. the, the, if she didn't have any pre-sales and on free fringe you kind of it's firstly it was like only the first normal festival year when you we even have pre-sales right because usually before that it was just uh right. like walk in right? right and this year 
we had pre-sales. So technically, Free Fringe kind of like this system was not really different to some of the other venues. So you get pre-sales, but you can turn up for free as well. Mm -hmm. So basically, if she didn't have any pre-sales, she didn't show up to do the show. Uh -huh. You know, and so kind of she didn't fly or she didn't hire anybody, huh. you know, and it was weird. You know, it was, I was I was I usually hired one flyer, mm -hmm. flyer myself and one other person ah. kind of take two strategic spots mm -hmm. on the street. Right. You know, like and uh, claim your and turf. That, that's like the best. Yeah. The best way. Right. The best way. Knife the opposition. 15. Yeah. Yeah. 15 quid, for example, is basically three. Uh, like if 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 the if the flyer attracts three people, basically paid themselves so, and they and they pay five pounds each. Yeah. Then kind of it's already paid off. So yeah, it, right. it works. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Okay, so now the next question is, of course, uh, you guys have been talking about free fringe, of course. Now some people might not be aware that there is a paid fringe and a free fringe. So can one of you just quickly kind of uh, explain it to the people what the difference between the 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 French festival and the free French festival is yeah so well basically the the difference is like it's it's like the French society is one thing it's like every, all every show which is registered on the main website yeah. is part of the French festival right right and then uh, like they're all they're all of the different promotions organizations which are kind of most of them are paid venues right mm -hmm. you pay some rent for venues or you agree on some s split on the tickets mm -hmm. like 70 30 or you know 50 50 or something like this and uh, kind of that's how it works and then there's free fringe organization free fringe case basically uh, appeared like maybe like 20 years ago or something mm -hmm. and the point of it was that you don't pay for the venue but also you were not allowed to charge for tickets like you only ask for donation at the end mm -hmm. so that was the idea and then like two fractions appeared in this free fringe and then they divide into two free fringes so uh, one of this is bluffing horse free fringe which mm -hmm. is what we were doing and then the other is PBH free fringe so the difference is that laughing horse kind of insisted on a little quality control and a little bit of kind of optimizing the experience for everybody so uh, laughing horse basically what they said is like uh, okay you don't pay for the venue yeah. but you do pay f to register at the main fringe website which is about like 300 pounds so right. basically you pay this money uh, and then you pay some you know something to be featured in our program which is also small money about a hundred or something like this uh -huh. and uh, the, but the pbh free fringe they didn't agree with that they said like fringe is completely free so they don't make it mandatory right. for anybody to register in in the main program and so they have their own little program they only lab, uh -huh. and they do this but also you know the quality of venues for example uh, which always existed at, at pbh it was like really bad, uh, mostly. I mean, and, and Laughing Horse is kind of, uh, I see it as the good kind of compromise. You don't actually pay, right, pay yeah. anything. And of course, like it's the venue is not necessarily as professional as the paid ones, but it's good enough to, to have a good show to kind right. of be, you know, to, to be a proper experience for everybody. The, and also, and this year... Sorry, yeah. uh, the Laughing Horse, if I'm not mistaken, that's the one that appeared like it's split from PBH, right? Yeah, well, they split from each other. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of it's a like it's an evolution of PBH, I guess. Yeah, and that's yeah, why yeah. they kind of took some good things and then applied some other things, and and now there is this, let's say, competition between PBH and Laughing Horse, and you cannot register shows with both. You can only Ooh. do it with one, or you're gonna be like banned and and whatever, whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And do you have oh, and do you have street fights? PBH. Yeah, do you have street fights? Uh, <laughs> Is there clicking? Are people doing like this clicking West Side Story street fights where they meet in an alleyway and, <laughs> and they do like they they jazz fight sort of thing, dance fight? Yeah. 
No. That they joke fight. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Throw it in some bomb. Burn. Yeah. No, they're actually much more serious than that. Like, but, but this comes from the PBH side usually because they kind of like really kind of being very z- zealous about the, the, the free fiend, the idea uh. that it, you should be able to actually not pay like yeah. a single penny. But then, of course, you know, there are still a lot of the expenses. You pay for the trip, you pay for yeah. the accommodation, which is the biggest, biggest expense. Exactly. So I've heard. And so it kind of it kind of doesn't really make sense. You kind of restrict yourself from being in the program. Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't ban, like, they don't they don't say you can't be in the main program. But for example, some of the things that you can't have a, a show with PBH and with Laughing Horse, for example. Right. And actually, you can't have a show with PBH and with any other venue which offers a pay-what-you-want system, which is a lot of other venues. Mm. Pay-what-you-want system is like you have pre-sales, yep. but also if there are empty seats, then people can turn up for free and do a donation right. at the end. And there is a lot of such venues. And PBH are being really anal about this. Right. And I do have a question about that pre-sale because this is confusing me just a little bit. It is a, like a free fringe, but you're saying this pre-sale, so you can buy a ticket even though you haven't seen the show. So it could be absolute crap, and you're like, yeah, I just pay five pounds for crap. Well, on the other hand, if you just go on your own you can decide oh this is pretty shit but i still watch the show so here's a pound bugger off is that correct am i assuming that this is the way it works like the pre-sales you start to pay money or is the pre-sales more like a reservation where you just no, show well, up the thing is yeah it's a reservation it's a paid reservation basically like both free fringes mm-hmm. didn't have pre-sales before right they only appeared at laughing horse last year it was like the covid fringe right where it was like uh, like they they tried to minimize actually exclude any exchange of cash right so they even made the like it was mandatory for even the free shows Ooh. to be pre-sold and then so and then right. the laughing horse decided they will kind of retain this scheme so basically mm-hmm. they're still free you still don't pay for the venue but also you get the benefit of people being able to like basically buy a ticket and bo- and it's actually not even pay what you want to pay what you can system for mm-hmm. example and my show, the Solar Show, right? Yeah. And both of our shows, actually, they had um, like a pay-what-you-can scheme. Uh, and uh, so when you're buying a ticket in advance, you don't, you don't, you have never seen the show, but you can buy it for different price. You can buy right. it for five pounds, seven and a half, ten, and twelve and a half. Right. And actually, it, it might be surprising, but not everybody paid the lowest price. Not everybody paid five pounds. For example, I made calculations on my solo show. Uh, the average ticket of the pre-sale, the, the price of the pre-sale pre-sold ticket was like about seven and a half, yeah. something like this, even though everybody could pay five. You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, all right. Uh, considering considering overall, uh, you know, c- considering overall attendance, uh, nobody really needed to pay at all. Okay. You know? So, all right. Well, I mean, well, I yeah. think the thing is, in, in on the I, I don't know about the legs solo show, and it was like a bigger, much bigger room and the slot in the middle of the day. But for our like a compilation show, which was in a small room and a very good like time of the day, like kind of six forty-five. So mm-hmm. mostly we had it full or full-ish. Like only a few days, kind of in the middle of the week and in the middle of the fringe, we had something like 12, 15 people in a 40 people room. Mostly we had between 30 and 40, which was the capacity, maximum capacity. So that's why people didn't really pre-book that much, but we would still fill the room. But there were some shows that were kind of popular. For Mm -hmm. example, a couple of shows that we went to see. Josh Glance is one of those, or one of our like fellow comedians that did our compilation as well, Ben Miller. He mm-hmm. had a show in like a 20 people room, I think it was, 20, 25 people room. And uh, it turned out to be very popular. And basically, you couldn't get in without pre booking. Yeah. So it meant that you can pay whatever, you can pay this minimum of five pounds, but yeah. you definitely have your seat because the system was first, they check, they let in everyone who has a ticket. 
mm-hmm. who has a reservation or whatever, who who has already donated in advance. Yeah, and then if there are any seats left, mm-hmm. then all the walk-ins get to go in. Right. So it was very risky for some shows if you don't pre-book it in advance. Yeah. And that's why, that's why there is a system uh, that you can do those like minimum of five pounds, but you would then definitely have a seat on that show in that room for that particular day. Otherwise, you can just come and try your luck and maybe get sent back. And uh, and we have done this for our show as well, like especially Friday, Saturday, Sunday or something. We would have 10, 15 more people come to the doors than there mm-hmm. were seats. And we would say, sorry, it's full, it's packed. Yeah. If you can, come back tomorrow. Uh, right. But if they did pre-book online, then they would have like priority uh, right. over the people who are just walking in. All right, cool. All right, so now I'd like to go back to you. Now your turn to explain because we heard Igor's impressions. We heard his first impression for his first Fringe show. But this, you said before, this is your fourth time, right? So basically things have evolved and you were pre-COVID, post-COVID. So you've kind of seen different aspects, maybe a transition, like you said, you you saw this kind of, you know, the, the, the prepay system kind of coming in. So what is what is your impression of the evolution of French? Is it getting better? Is it getting worse? Is it getting stagnant? Is it still fresh? What is your impression? And uh, how have you managed? Like, where did you start? Were you just doing a solo show straight from the beginning? Were you doing compilations like Igor just did for his first time? So please tell us a little bit about your experience for the last four shows that you've been to, your evolution. Right. Well, basically, I started the, the, in 2017. It was, uh, and I came with the solo show straight from the beginning, mm. which was uh, really stupid, but <laughs> kind of worked at the end. <laughs> uh, because, like, I kind of wasn't really prepared for that, but also I had like an 11 a.m. slot, so mm. there was literally no pressure. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like people don't expect anything out of the slot anyway. Yeah. So you know, they gave him 11 o'clock. Also, He's got to be shit. Let's lower expectations. Yeah, yeah. And it was also like a pay what you want sort of free. Yeah. sort of show so yeah it's but at the end you know like i i think it was the first year when i kind of i learned everything because i uh, by the end the show was actually pretty good right. it was much better than it started and then also uh, the 11 a.m uh, spot kind of allowed me to see a lot of stuff a lot of other shows yeah which kind of really opened my eyes mm-hmm. because like i never thought that comedy live comedy performances and i watched not, not just stand-up but also like all sorts of stuff physical comedy clowning mm-hmm. kind of like different forms of stand-up which exist kind of like the, the improvised ones the completely yeah. crazy ones so it it was like for me it was just kind of completely kind of eye-opening experience of kind of like what the boundaries of comedy can be yeah uh, I, then I even it was my first my first festival mm-hmm. yeah what was just completely amazing in terms of kind of just the new experience because right. i was coming not knowing anything yeah not knowing anything i just you know i knew that you have to you have to have some flyers that's all, that's <laughs> all <I knew. laughs> there's flyer ring which apparently now is a verb and i don't get it but fuck it i'm yeah. apparently i need to do this but i also remember when you came back from that first show we would do we were still doing in i think it was prosto cafe in the tiny little corner you'd come back from the first one and i remember like yeah you your you were different your comedy style had kind of changed it's like you had learnt uh, rather than just sticking with more your existential philosophical stuff, you had managed to like blend in quick little punchy bits. You managed to blend in some kind of uh, crowd work and stuff like that. And I just found that, yeah, when you came back, like you had just jumped to another level. And I was like, holy shit. Like, and I remember I was there with with Elena, um, my wife. Well, I think girlfriend at that point. Yeah, definitely. And even she was like, shit, what happened to him? And I went, Edinburgh Fringe. 
And she was like, what? <laughs> and I was like, he went to the Edinburgh Fringe. She like, it obviously had an effect on him. And it was there. Yeah, it was really good. It was really yeah. good to see. It was like, damn. So obviously, so your first experience, unlike Eagles, was very optimistic and full of joy and happiness and experience. Yeah. And also I see, like, I think I only, after my first year and like later, I, I still maintain this kind of opinion. Because my, my, my kind of, I think the most concise and kind of you know, meaningful description of what Edinburgh Fringe is mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of why so many people come like to, to the Fringe, like when they don't need it career wise, they mm. don't need it like to kind of to get it better. They already have like tours, whatever, like they still come, you know, for 15, 20 years. Yep. It's because like Edinburgh, Edinburgh Fringe is sort of like a children's camp for adults. That's how I define <laughs> it. So basically, because like sometimes adults, you, we need to... Uh, to be in a sort of like a controlled environment where all the, there are there are a lot of rules mm-hmm. uh, which don't exist normally and you have to live your life following those rules and you kind of completely forget about the outside world mm-hmm. you only care about this contained environment only what happens at the fringe and you yeah. know all this stuff with like you know flyering and attendance and you know reviews even you know all this kind of yeah. uh, going to to other shows seeing a lot of people that you haven't seen for a year often and it's kind of all, it becomes like a completely unique experience. And this is why people come back mostly, even even if they don't need it, you know, for their careers. All right. Uh, they just like to be there. Okay. And how has it evolved since those first days for you then? has Have things changed in your opinion? Obviously with COVID and now with the, the current situation and things like, how, how have things evolved for you? Oh, okay. Uh, sorry, sorry. I, Eagle? W- I, I, I would just add that... Uh... Maybe Oleg had this, I would say not maybe, but probably Oleg had this advantage that he was doing stand-up and especially stand-up in English for maybe a year or even mm-hmm. less than that before he went to Fringe, right? Yeah. And that's why that big kind of development and, and mm. upgrade level up came from that because, you know, yeah. like you start, you start and all whenever everyone, when they start, they're very, you are just very, I, I don't know how to like... Your idea of what stand-up is is very narrow. You do it the way yeah. you want to do it. You kind of because for me, it's I, I I'm doing it for eight years, and mm-hmm. that, only now I got to go to Fringe, and yeah. you know, like there is still some use, some kind of experience to it that I got from it. So it it was a chance for me to perform in front of mostly native English-speaking audiences every yeah. day for the first time in eight years it was a chance to perform for like i don't know 67 year old scottish couples which i've never had before in yeah. my life and to see like how would they react to some like uh, wordplay to some darker jokes dirtier jokes i don't know jokes about the longer storytelling and whatever so for me it was mostly about that to see do my jokes work in a wider kind of global or at least like international mm-hmm. context but I can't say that I've learned something new because I've been doing mm-hmm. it for 10 years. I have yeah. I have actually collected and gathered some new ideas and twists on what I can try or what could maybe work for me as well that I've seen others do. Yeah. But that's more from watching other shows and from actually well, performing. Yeah. But yeah. that's also a part of it, of course. That's why you go to see others as well. Yeah. But from just performing, I think what happened to Oleg very early in his like setup career is he performed for... 25 days in a row, hour a yes. day, his own show and his own jokes. Yeah. And that really like kind of launches you into yeah. that kind of right yeah. direction of how you can deal with your own yeah. material and how you can punch it up, incorporate some, as you mentioned, improv, crowd yeah. work, uh, this and that. So yeah, I think exactly. that's a big difference. If I got to go 
2016 or whatever was the first year when I applied and got accepted, yeah. I think maybe it would have a kind of big influence on my stand-up career and experience as well. This yeah. way, it was mostly just a way to run some jokes by different audience and also to see some more great acts and not so great acts as well. Right. So did you, do, do you work on an international level, Igor? Can, can you perform to native speakers? Well, on I, a national level, not international. You've done international. This is yeah. national level. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, we did, we did actually attract, I would say, of all the shows I went to, maybe the most international audiences in yeah. terms of even the Chinese show that we mentioned attracted mostly the same kind of, you know, Asian people and like some London-based comics attracted yeah. mostly English people, etc., cetera, right. etc. Cetera. Our shows, at least the ones that I've hosted and sometimes even during my performance, I would ask like, where is everyone from? And it would be something like, from 60-40 to 40-60 in terms of just travelers, foreigners, mm. internationals versus locals. And by locals, I mean just British people from, let's say, England, Scotland, Wales, and mm. Ireland. Okay, I would count there as well. So mm -hmm. do, does it work? Yeah. I think uh, some jokes sometimes didn't work, but that was due to maybe delivery, maybe some other factors, not because yeah. they are you know, not good for that audience. But most jokes that worked for me on kind of, you know, continental Europe, they worked on the, the in, in Britain as well, which is good because I think they have a very specific kind of humor there. And mm -hmm. I think they kind of appreciate maybe different kind of structure and punchlines, etc. Plus, again, as native English speakers, they are far more kind of judgmental to, you know, like these kind of mistakes in syntax, in grammar. If you mispronounce something, they might not get it uh, and so on. So in general worked cool cool all right yeah so i think we can actually stop here and split this topic in two parts so on the next part on the second part we will talk a bit more about how we would rate this year's fringe both objectively as a festival and subjectively as our experience of the festival and just share a few more interesting stories anecdotes and things that happened but thank you so much for listening to this episode i've been Igor monday and with me were my co-host david munoz and our very special guest oleg denisov Thank you for listening. Subscribe to The Comedy Kiosk on all the social media platforms and like this podcast if you're listening on any other platform so we would be exposed to more amazing listeners as yourself. Thank you for listening and goodbye.